This is Truth and Focus, your radio program for worldview talk and issues that matter, with Josh Cumston and Gordon Teeson, broadcasting from the studio at Nebraska Christian Schools. Welcome to Truth and Focus. I'm Gordon Teeson. My co-host, Josh Cumston, is not in the studio this week as he's in Asia recruiting international students to Nebraska Christian Schools. As some of our listeners know, we do have an international program that involves about 25 to 30 students, mostly from Asia. In the studio today, I have John Hess. John is the student ministry pastor in Lincoln at Heritage Bible Church, grew up in the Norfolk, Nebraska area. Welcome to the program today, John. Thank you. John, if you could help our listeners get to know you a little bit, we're going to listen to a portion of your message on the radio program today. But if you could tell us a little bit about your background and maybe how you became a Christian, that'd be helpful. Well, I grew up in Christianity. Both my father and grandfather are pastors, and so I was around the church and the gospel from a very young age and just kind of lived a quote-unquote good life for a long time and never really understood my need of a Savior or even what Jesus had done in its entirety. And over the course of years up into probably the beginning part of junior high, faced a lot of doubts and struggles with whether or not I was a true believer. And God really confirmed in my heart when I was about 13 years old that my faith and trust was in Christ alone. So I always tell people I'm not exactly sure when when I did become a believer, but I know today that my faith and trust is in Christ alone. God did a work in my heart over the next few years, kind of pulling my heart away from sports, which kind of dominated my life and started giving me a passion for working with young people, which, which then led to me pursuing pastoral ministry. With that, let's join John with today's message pumped to be here with you guys. You got your Bibles. You can go to Ephesians 2. Ephesians 2. This is probably my favorite passage in all of the scriptures. Really get excited about teaching kids about Jesus through this passage. So I'm going to share with you from Ephesians 2, truth from God's Word, truth that should impact your heart, and truth that it should impact mine. What I want to talk to you guys about this morning is how you and I need to treasure Jesus Christ. And one of the biggest ways that we're going to do that is when we look back on where we were. When we look back on where we were, Paul says at the beginning of Ephesians chapter 2, he says, you were dead. You were dead. Now think about this. What do dead people do? They do nothing. Alright? You don't go into like this funeral hall or into the morgue and you're like, hey, here's a bunch of dead people. We're going to have them go out and do something for us. It's not possible. And here's what the Scripture, here's the picture that it paints about you and me. Before Jesus, we're dead. We're dead. Now what causes us to be in this state? Here's what Paul says, your trespasses and sins. Now again, a lot of you have probably heard this since you were little kids. I get it. I was there too. My dad's a pastor. My grandpa's a pastor. I was around this all my life. But I want you guys to see the seriousness of this state. Paul says you guys are dead in your trespasses and sins. And there is nothing you can do about it. Why? Because dead people don't do anything. And if you follow with this passage, things don't get better right away. Listen to what he says. You were dead in trespasses and sins. That's everybody. Everybody in the world. Romans 3 makes this clear. There's not a distinction. There's not some people that are okay and some people that aren't. Every single one of us is in sin. 
We were born in sin, and that's what we pursue. As we come into this life, this is what we run after. Sin, 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 sin. And here's what this passage says. In which you once walked, following the course of this world, following the prince of the power of the air, the spirit that is now at work in the sons of disobedience. So here's the picture that we've got. You and I, were dead. We're dead in trespasses and sins, and we only know one way of life. And here's this one way of life. It's according to the course of the world. And again, we're dead, so we can't change this. So this is really what it looks like. I have two nephews. One is four and the other is two. And these guys are super fun. I love to play with these guys. We play all kinds of games. One of their favorite things to do is to play with the choo-choos. Right? So they get these trains out and they start setting up all these tracks and they grab my arm and they're like, Uncle John, let's go build a train track. So I go with them. We start building this track. And we put the train on there. And I know this is super obvious, but just to humor me, answer this. Where is the train going to go? Down the track. Does it have any other option? No. And where is it going to end up? The end of the track. Alright, you guys are doing awesome this morning. (laughs) Now listen to this. Here's what Paul says. You guys are dead. You're dead in trespasses and sins, and you know one course of life, and you are headed down this track, and stuff gets even worse, okay? You've got one track that you're headed down, you're dead, so you can't change it, and then all of a sudden, here's the destination. Alright, let's look back to the passage. We follow the prince of the power of the air, the spirit that now at work, and the sons of disobedience. Look at verse 3, among whom we all once lived in the passions of our flesh, carrying out the desires of the body and the mind and we're by nature children of wrath. If you go back to the original text, here here is the idea that's being conveyed by this. Children whose destiny is wrath. So do you guys see this picture? Here's you and me. We're dead. We're headed down a train track that we can't get off of. There's nothing we can do about this. And what's waiting at the end? Wrath. Wrath. And again, guys, think about this. I know a lot of you have probably been around Christianity all your life. And Jesus may just be something that for you, it's like, yeah, Jesus is sweet, it's cool, we just sang this song, it's really awesome. But I want you to see that prior to Jesus, this is every single one of you. You are dead in trespasses and sins. You only know one course of life, and this is what you pursue. Why? Because dead people can't change that. And you're headed down this track, and here at the end, this destination that you are headed for is the wrath of Almighty God. Now, if you don't think this is a big deal, let's just take a step back. When you walk outside and you look around at everything that you see, who made that? God did. When you look at your body and you see how it functions and you see how it works, who made that? God Alright, let's kind of blow ourselves clear out of the picture. And so we're looking in and we're seeing like all these galaxies, right? So we got all these galaxies. And okay, let's zoom now into the Milky Way. That's where we're at, right? A little bit of of science class for you guys today. So we we come into the Milky Way. We come into our solar system, right? We've got all these planets flying around. we got the sun. Let's come down to Earth. Alright, let's specifically go to North America. Let's specifically go to the United States. Let's specifically go to Nebraska. Let's specifically go to Central City. Let's specifically come right here to this school in this room. Alright, everybody here? 
Now zoom back out and think about the God who holds all of that in His hand. Think about this. And ask yourself, yeah, I want His wrath. Yeah, sign me up. And here, as Paul paints this picture, here's what he says. This is you guys. You guys were dead. You were dead in trespasses and sins. You knew one course of life and you followed it and you did it well. And you're headed down this train track and at the end of this train track, here's your destination and it's wrath. So here's this news and it's really bad. But everything changes. Everything changes and this is so awesome and everybody who's a true believer in Jesus today, you guys should get really excited here. Because verse 4 of Ephesians chapter 2 says this. Here's you. This is your whole life. You're dead. You can't do anything. You're headed down this train track. Here's wrath. And it's almost like this scary movie, right? Where you see the person walk into the room and you're watching and you know somebody's in there that's going to attack them. And you're like, no, 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 don't go in there. Don't you always wonder that? Why do you go into the creepy room? It's like you're watching this movie and you're helpless. Why? Because no matter how hard you yell, they're not going to hear you. This is what it's like for us. Because we're headed down this train track and we don't even care. Wrath is waiting for us and we're dead. But all of a sudden, verse 4, but God. Now remember, Paul is writing this book of Ephesians to the believers around the area of Ephesus. And listen to the terminology that he uses even at the beginning of this passage. And you, what's the next word? Were dead. Alright? A little bit of English class. We're just going nuts today in the studies. Alright, what is this? What tense is this? Past tense. Is this cool or what? You guys were dead. What else does it say? Verse 2, in which you once walked. Following the course of this world, find the prince of the power of the air, the spirit that is now at work in the sons of disobedience. Verse 3, among whom we all once lived in the passions of our flesh, carrying out the desires of the body, and were by nature children of wrath, like the rest of mankind. So what happened? We're dead. We're headed down this track. Our destination is wrath. But God. This situation is really bleak and we need some type of like awesome superhero to step in and save the day. And you know what happens? God steps in and He says, look, I know. I know you're dead. I know you're dead in sin. I know this is the course that you're following. I know this is where you're going to end up. But I've got good news for you. I've got a plan. And if you read through the book of Ephesians, this is written all over its pages that God's plan is coming to pass. His plan of redemption to rescue and save sinners for His glory through His Son. This is what He's doing. So verse 4 says this, but God being rich in mercy. How rich is God? This guy is so rich. So rich that if you go in and you take some out of the bank, it's like nothing happened. One of my favorite songs is called Depths of mercy, and here's one of the lines in there, it says this, depth of mercy, can there be mercy still reserved for me? How long has God been showing mercy? A long time, right? And so in our minds, we think, well, you know, maybe He's running out. 
Maybe there's not enough for me, John. You know what Paul says? Your God is rich in mercy. And so you can keep going back time and 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 time again. And there's still mercy. But God being rich in mercy because of the great love with which He loved us. This is awesome. What did He do? Even when we were dead in our trespasses, made us alive together with Christ. All of a sudden, onto the scene comes Jesus. And Jesus takes on the form of a man. He comes to earth. He lives in perfect obedience to His Father. He goes to the cross. Why? Because there was a debt that had to be paid. There was wrath that had to be taken. And He goes to the cross and He takes it. Scripture tells us He died, He was buried, and then what happens? What happens? God raises Him up. If you want to think of it this way, God makes Him alive. And you know what He did when He did that? He's establishing this precedent that all those who come to Him through Jesus, and all of a sudden this huge problem that we had, right? Which we didn't even know we had because we were dead. God comes in and He opens our eyes. He he enlivens our heart. And He says, you know what? I'm going to raise you up. I'm going to seat you in heavenly places with Christ. This is so cool because think about where we were. Dead people aren't complaining about stuff. But all of a sudden, we are no longer dead. We've been made alive in Christ. By grace, you have been saved. Think about this, guys. How much foolishness is it to boast in the fact that you did something to be saved? A dead person does not say, I contributed to my life. They're not like, dude, I played a huge role in this. No, it's stupid. What does the Scripture say? By grace, something that you don't deserve, you have been saved. He raised us up with Jesus and seated us with Jesus in the heavenly places in Christ Jesus. So think about this, guys. You pull Jesus out of the picture, what do you have? One track. Death is the destination. Wrath. All of a sudden... Jesus comes into the picture and He changes everything. And now, not only do you and I not, we don't just not face wrath. Now we have the invitation and the awesome opportunity that we can come in with confidence into the very presence of God and live life with Him. He raised us up and He seated us with Christ in heavenly places. Look at verse 7. So that... This is a purpose statement, okay? So that in the coming ages. When Paul was talking about this, the coming ages, that's like right now, and the coming ages are still coming, so that in the coming ages, he might show, or he might put on display, he might pull back the curtain and say, here, this is for everybody to see. Just look at this, view it, take it in, soak it up. He puts it in the IMAX theater so that people can't miss this. In the coming ages, he might show the immeasurable riches of his grace. Some of us, we try and measure God's grace. And we're like, God, He probably only has this much grace. You know, I fail so much. 
Why does God accept me? Because His grace is immeasurable. Over the course of the coming ages, even after you have been rescued in Christ, are you going to fail? Are you going to sin? Absolutely. But you know what God's going to do? He's going to put on display the immeasurable riches of His grace and He's going to say this, you deserve wrath. You get life because of Jesus. And the world who's on the outside that doesn't understand this, that's still dead, right? They look at this and they go, that is so weird. Don't you have to do something? And we're like, that's, that's what makes grace, grace. I love this definition of grace. It's so powerful. Grace is out of bounds. It's undeserved. And it always goes to the wrong people. When I first heard that definition, I was like, ah, I don't know if I agree with that. And then I sat there and I thought about it and I was like, yeah, that, I mean, that's right. It goes to the wrong people. Because it went to me. For some reason, oftentimes I can trick myself into believing that somehow I deserved God's grace and I did not. So I'm so thankful that His grace came to me, an undeserving sinner, that He came down and He gave me life through Jesus because I would not have chosen Him because I was dead. And if you are in Christ today, you're in that same spot. Don't sit here and say, well, John, I believed. You know, I did this. You were dead. It's like, John, well, what does the rest of the passage say about that? Well, let's read it. He's going to put on display in these coming ages the immeasurable riches of His grace and kindness towards you in Christ. So when you deserve wrath, every time you sin, every time you go after your own way, God deserves to pour wrath out on you. And Jesus says, nope, nope, nope. I already paid for that. It's an awesome picture. I'm going to jump back here real fast. I want to tell you guys about this. The Scripture tells us this, that Jesus is seated at the right hand of God and He's making intercession for us. And this is really cool because here's what happens. When you and I, when we run after sin, when we choose our own way, here's what God does. He looks down and He says, that is sin, it is deserving of wrath. And you know what Jesus says? This is so cool. Jesus says, you can't. I paid for that. You can't. I paid for that. And here He is making intercession for us. Why? Because we deserve to be destroyed. And Jesus steps in and He pleads His wounds and He says, Father, You forgive them because I paid for this. 1 John 2 makes this really clear. If anyone does sin, we have an advocate with the Father. It's Jesus Christ, the perfect One. So, into some of the most familiar verses probably in all of the Scripture, we get in chapter 2 of Ephesians. Here's what He says, For by grace you have been saved. Through faith. And this is not your own doing. It is. It's a gift. So, here's, here's to those people who are like, dude, I believed, man. I get some credit here. John, at least give me something here. Okay, you were dead. You were dead. And that faith that you had to embrace this was a gift. This is awesome. Do you see this picture that all of a sudden it's like Jesus is everything. That if God had not stepped in here and done this for me, wow, where would I be? Where would I be? But now, because Jesus has stepped in, because He's lived the life that I couldn't, because He absorbed the wrath that I deserved, because He rose again from the dead, I'm united in Him. So when God sees me, here's what He sees. Perfect life, wrath satisfied, raised to new life forever. This is what He sees. 
Even on those days when I am just a rotten, dirty sinner, God's grace is just overwhelming. And He says, you have been saved by grace through faith. This is not your own doing. It's a gift of God. Why? Because verse 9, this is not a result of works. This is not the result of you praying some type of prayer. This is not the result of you saying, you know what? If my good outweighs my bad, I'm going to be okay. That's not it. John, I go to church. I don't care. John, my parents are believers. I don't care. John, I do a lot of good stuff, man. I I help out with these charities. I help with this foundation. I do this stuff. I don't care. Here's what this says. This is not about works. Why? Because if it was, people would have room to boast. And can't you picture this? This would just be wild. I did more than you, man. I did. And you know it. Oh yeah? Well, I did more than you. And all of a sudden, who gets lost in this whole shuffle? Who gets lost? Jesus! Jesus gets lost. Why? Because all of a sudden, it's about me. And I'm sitting here and I'm going, I did this, I did this, I did this, I did this, I did this. And you know what God wants? Here's what God wants. Get this. What did Jesus do? What did Jesus do? This is the awesome part about Christianity that separates it from all other religions is that here's what it's about. It's about what Jesus has already done. It does not hinge on what you, for the remainder of your life, are going to do. Or what you have done in the process of your life coming up to that. Why? Because we could never do enough. And yet Jesus, perfect. Substitute, fits the bill. Here He is. He's come. And He's come to give us life to the fullest. So what should be our response? Hopefully you guys, just a little bit, just a little bit, have got your hearts excited about Jesus. Because you look back and you say, okay, here's where I was. Wow. How far were you from perfect? Think about this. But I've got this Savior. His name's Jesus. He's perfect. And so when God looks at me and I'm in Christ, here's what He sees. John has righteous. It's overwhelming. Verse 10 says this, we are His workmanship. So just in case you didn't get it through the first nine verses, Here's what Paul's saying. God has crafted you into this. So don't try and take credit for this. God has shaped you. He's molded you. And He said, here. Here is John Hess. Here's who I want him to be. This is what I'm doing in his life. I'm chipping away some of the stuff that doesn't need to be there. I'm adding stuff in here that should be in his life. And Jesus has totally transformed this guy. We are His workmanship created in Christ Jesus. For what? Good works. Now some of you are probably going, John, we just talked about this. This is not about works. Alright, let me share an illustration with you that may help you, okay? I am a huge Duke fan. I love Duke basketball. Uh, it's awesome. Several years ago I got to go to a game at Cameron Indoor, which is, it's amazing. But I love Duke. So a lot of times when I'm walking around, or if I'm on campus at like UNL or something like that, and I'll see people with a Duke t-shirt on or a Duke hat on. I'm like, oh, what's up, man? You a Duke fan? And sometimes, this is sad, but sometimes they're like, nah, I just have the hat. Right? So, here's what I'm getting at. Just because you have Duke apparel, does that make you a Duke fan? No. 
but I want you to grab this, okay? If you are a Duke fan, are you going to have Duke apparel? Yeah, and I got lots of it. So think about this. Just because you have good works, does that make you a believer in Jesus? But if you are a believer in Jesus, what are you going to have? It's going to come. That's why the Bible says this is fruit of the Spirit. When you have the Spirit, He's going to be producing stuff. It's not like, dude, here's an apple tree, and it's like, oh, i got to produce something. That doesn't happen. It just does it. It's an apple tree. So when you have the Spirit, here's what's going to happen. This stuff's going to start pouring out of your life. Why? Because this is what God created you for. And then He says this, He prepared these beforehand that you would walk in them. Now there's a lot, a lot of debate about what exactly this means. But this is what, what I think Paul is getting at, specifically in the book of Ephesians. When you get into chapter 4, his tone changes dynamically. Chapters 1-3, through three, he says, okay, here's who you are. Ephesian believers, this is you. You're in Christ, you're in the church, He's brought you together in one body. This is who you are. And then verse 4, he says, okay, now live like it. So this is really cool. This is your homework for later on tonight. I want you to read through chapters 4-6 through six and look at the good works that God has ordained for you to walk in. And they're going to look like stuff like this. Unity, connecting to the body of Christ, not allowing corrupt communication to proceed out of your mouth to pursue forgiveness. Then he starts getting into relationships. He says, don't have impurity in your life. He goes in, he says, put on the armor of God. Why? So you can fight against the devil. This is powerful. So here's what God says. You were crafted, you were shaped, you were molded in Jesus for the purpose of displaying good works, which I've already ordained, and here they are. So walk in these. So that people would look at me and say, John, oh, he's a good guy. No, so that people would look at me and they would say, John has an awesome, awesome Savior. Because he was dead. There's no way he could do this stuff. Jesus comes in and He changes everything. So I hope today that you will leave if you get nothing else with this. I need Jesus. I need Jesus. And those of you who know you have Him, you can walk out of here and you can just worship. Because all I have is Christ and I don't need anything else. Amen and amen and amen. So let's pray. God, what, what a powerful text. We are so humbled that You as the God of the universe who didn't need us, who didn't even need to create the world as we know it, that You would and You would desire to have relationship with Your people and that when they broke fellowship with You, it was Your plan all the time to make a way to bring us back to You. This is awesome. We stand in awe of Your wisdom in this plan, and we stand in awe of Your grace because we certainly do not deserve this. God, overwhelm our hearts, change our lives as we just behold Jesus. God, I pray that You would be with any here in this room who may not know Jesus as Savior. That You would rescue them. That You would bring them from death to life. And I pray, God, for those whom You have already brought to life through Christ, that You would push them into good works.
which you've already ordained that they should walk in. Help us to treasure Jesus today and to worship you for the work that you have done. We take no credit for this. We glory only in Christ. We love you. And we pray all of this in the good name of Jesus. Amen. You've been listening to a message by John Hess. He's a student ministry pastor at Heritage Bible Church in Lincoln, Nebraska. Well, this wraps up the program today. You've been listening to Truth and Focus. For my co-host, Josh Cumston, this is Gordon Thiessen. Thanks for joining us as we encourage, engage, and equip Christians in today's culture war while bringing the truth in focus. Thank you.